Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Wolf. We are closing out more, more, more with probably Demi's most badass role <laughs> she ever did. Right? Uh, it's funny. I thought I, I think I texted you and said, I think it's funny how we were going from probably her, her most feminine and in, in that you get the maternal thing, right? And then you've got the the sexy thing and you got it. It was just like, it was like the most womanly thing and the most badass thing to follow it with GI Jane. Um, it's funny. Well, just get out of the You and I just talked about this pre mic. We both remember this movie very differently. Uh, yeah. Or at least our, at least our overall um, impression of it last time, because just like with a lot of things we've been watching lately, I liked this a fuck of a lot more than I did the first Dude, time. Right? Like, I, I feel like I, I didn't have an impression from G.I. Jane before. I remembered seeing it and being like, <laughs> eh, whatever. I, I just remember seeing it, and it was like one of those things I, I hadn't really thought about it until we yeah. decided to do this month. And I was like, yeah. When we picked the movie, I was like, yeah, okay, well, they'll, you know, and and like each one has been interesting in a different way. And and this right. was totally like, I do now I would watch this and go right into fucking Black Hawk Down. I feel like, I yeah. feel like this is one of really Scott's stronger movies of the nineties. Like, right. I, you know, and maybe, maybe it, I don't remember if it was a big hit. I remember when it came out, I knew a lot of people who worked on it at the time. Oh no, um, this movie was a fucking bomb. It didn't even make, it didn't even make back its production okay. budget. Yeah. But I yeah. don't know why it's so weird. I, I want to say this about Demi Moore before we get lost in the movie. I want to say, dude, she was bold, dude, and, and a risk taker, yeah. like, yeah. in the 90s. I mean, you know, she was out there, like, you know, setting, fucking blowing shit up and setting shit on fire mm -hmm. and blazing a path. And uh, I think that's what gets lost. You you had texted me, you don't think she gets, uh, she doesn't get credit for being a great actress. She doesn't. And no. she also doesn't get credit for being bold and, and brave and unafraid to do you know, things that other actresses certainly were not doing in 30 years ago. Right. And I, and I have to say in 1997, I don't see anybody else playing this part. Like nobody, no. I can't think of one single actress that could have played this role. I just don't. Oh, no way. Not, not anybody that would have made it believable. No, exactly. I mean, do the training montage alone where she's fucking, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's just fucking seriously bad. And you know how we always kind of make fun of montages, like unless they're in an 80s yeah. movie. Uh, <laughs> but dude, this was a great montage. I mean, all that stuff, the way it was cut together and it kept cutting back and forth to her. I mean, yeah, look, I and do this, we, the scene where she shaves her head. I mean, that's so fucking powerful, man. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we're talking about G.I. Jane, guys. <laughs> I already said G.I. Jane. I don't mean to jump ahead. No, no, I already said it at the head. I, I, no, I, said, I said we kind of just jumped to the no, meat yeah. of everything without, like, you know, a proper setup. This is also produced by her. Right. Yeah. Her longtime producing partner, Susan Todd, who they collaborated with on the Austin Powers movies and a whole bunch of other stuff. So they were flowing, man. They were really doing a lot of stuff in this time because this is all building on what we've been talking about in the entire month. This woman owned ass in the hot in the Hollywood system back in the 90s. And this was and this is the latter half of it where she was just building her career beyond being in front of the camera. And she was just as badass in that regards too, because they always pick pretty bold movies to do. Yeah, man. Or risk taking. I mean, let's. I mean, yes, Mike Myers doing characters, but spoofing a Bond thing was that really something that was going to do well necessarily? I don't know. There was some risk there that was going on there, but they they would do that. This to me to me was was a risky movie for her to make. Well, dude, it was a risk, but it was also you know it was a big swing. It was like. 
just like strip tease was, strip tease was a big swing. Yeah, well, I'm saying, like, dude, all of them are empowering for different, you know, striptease right. is empowering for different reasons. This is empowering for dis- different reasons. Mortal thoughts, you know, I mean, and again, none of these characters are like, it's not like she's, you know, she didn't fall into the trap that, you know, certain actresses who are recognized for being fantastic or magnificent, or, you know, thespians, uh, kind of, they just kind of play the same part all the time. I mean, these roles are all vastly different. And dude, she's not afraid to do. Th- I mean, like in striptease, look. I mean, dude, she's out, she's barren at all, and she's and, and in this, you know, she. I mean, she shaved her head, dude. When when was the, what was the who was the last actress at this point you had seen it in a movie with a shaved head other than right. Paris <laughs> Kimbata in Star Trek: The Motion Picture? Right. Yeah. Okay. Ripley, a few years ago. So Gordy Weaver and Demi Moore are the only two women I know who, you know, would have went, I mean, and they were, and it was no bullshit. It wasn't like, you know, Hey, she's wearing a bottle cap. She shaved yeah. her head. Yeah. But Sigourney Weaver had to do because she had lice. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So she, Demi just did it to keep it out of her fucking face. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I like when she first gets into the mess hall and she kind of has her hair up, kind of tucked in. I'm like, yeah. did she, I couldn't, couldn't remember. Like, again, it's been a long time since I'd seen her. I'm like, did she cut her hair yet? And I'm like, no, I know she shaves it. I know that's a pivotal scene right. in the movie. But I couldn't remember what happened there. I, I, I Real quick, I don't want to overlook this. Um, Danielle Alexander, It was this was her script and she ended up rewriting it with, God, fuck, could you rewrite David Tui. Yeah. Dance yeah, Black yeah. fame. Yeah. Well, before this, her claim to fame was the being the creator of my two dads. So speaking of the alien series, sure. <laughs> right. There you go, Paul Riser and my two dads. And speaking of deep star six, Greg Gavigan. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she was known for being a TV writer, but this is a pretty challenging script for somebody that worked in television on quantum leap and my two dads to, to do a movie like this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a it's a big step and it's very effective. Her script is really good. Yeah, I had texted you and said again, like a lot of Tony Scott movies, we find really doing something along those lines where he is just combing the like the the, the who's who of character actors and th- what we have Dude. here in this right? movie is the who's who of all the male '90s guys, whether it's the douchey guys yeah. or the military guys. Um, right. You got guys in here that, that we've seen in bigger movies with smaller parts. So they're kind of like doing, they're kind of like raising their game and being something where they're getting a little more FaceTime. And they're all, re- there's not one bad egg no, in this cart. Dude, this, you know, this to me, I feel like this is one of the first times I noticed Vigo Mortensen. Yeah. Uh, you know, other than in like culty things like the prophecy playing the devil. And, you know, I mean, this was to me, this was like as much as a, like a step up and a star sort of like, you know, you know, this was kind of a launching pad for him going into that next level of actors. I mean, he's great in it, dude. Cause you don't know whether to love him. You don't know whether to hate him. You don't know whether to love him again. And you don't know whether you want him to die or fuck die. You know what I'm saying? Like right. his performance. And, and here's the thing. It's weird because when you get to the end of the movie, you realize through all of it, he was, he was literally, he was steady dude. And his line when he says, it's not for her, it's for, uh, it's us. Right. They can't change. I mean, it, it's just the way it is. And he, and he, you know, and he, he kind of knows that. And, you know, after that scene where he kicks a shit out of her and she fights back and you know, the, yeah. the famous line, suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, but it, dude, it, 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 they're great together. They're, they have great chemistry together. And dude, he's super commanding. I mean, you know, and like you said, who did you say you looked like? 
Yeah, he looks just like Dick Die. That's why he has the mustache, has the cadence down. To me, he looked like fucking Errol Flynn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but when you said that, I said, yeah, but maybe just in that sequence, they just remind me of him. But his twang was a little more pronounced. He he looked like Errol Flynn to me, and he sounded like Dale Die at times, <laughs> yeah. right? Like I feel like I feel like I, I've heard that speech from Dale Die, Arlie Ermy, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure he must have spent time because those are the guys that were doing it like th- through the '90s, you know. So he did it with, yeah. He, I mean, it's funny too because I think he probably did all of his own training too, so that there's a separation between him and everybody else because right. you definitely feel it, dude. Like literally, like his presence even amongst the other actors who've all gone through that, it, it, it's a different thing going on there. Right. But dude, we got all the, we, we've got all the usual suspects from like the clear and present danger, like all those guys. Right. And, and if you look up half these dudes, they're in crimson tide and, and just all of those nineties war movies. Right. So mm-hmm. the, the guys that we know, like we said, the guys who play these parts all the time, the, the, the corrupt politicians, right. the fucking, you know, the, the commanding officers, all that shit, right. all those guys we've seen, but her seal team, the guys that she's going through the shit with, dude, it's like a fucking who's who like yeah. at right. the time. No, but I mean, you know, we got Caviezel, Jesus himself. <laughs> Who's a real dick in this. <laughs> we got Morris Chestnut, who I always love. I do I always dig when I see Morris Chestnut. Yeah. I, I wish that, you know, uh, you know, he worked more. But, he, you know, I, I, I had forgotten he was in the movie, honestly, until it yeah. started. I was like, oh, shit, Morris Chestnut's in this. Right. You know, and I, I, it was a point when I was watching it, and I was like, did I see this fucking movie? <laughs> and then there were parts of it where I was, I think I, I was thinking something was going to happen. I'm like, Oh no, that's courage under fire, (laughs) which is not as good as this. I'm glad I didn't have, I don't have a lot of fondness for black Hawk down. Um, so I've seen it twice. I watched a second time to see, I was, maybe I was just in a eh, movie when I saw it the first time and I just, I don't care for it. I'm glad I didn't have that in my way to kind of, I don't know. I feel like it would have been making more comparisons to it or something. I don't know. Even though it came after this, well, it would, this feels like this feels like he's getting the seals ready, and then you know, then the next time we see them, they're in Black Hawk Down. <laughs> Speaking of that, when they have their end mission, again, this movie borrows pretty liberally from other places. Um, it's clear that Danielle or somebody <laughs> in the production decided that they were going to use a Top Gun a little bit for the uh, for its skeleton because it really is. I mean, it's Top Gun, and you because you got you have. Everybody, all these uh, specialty soldiers in this case, uh, in Top Gun, it's pilots coming together to be the best of the best and that kind of thing. And then at the end, they get stuck having to go do a mission they weren't really planning on doing, which is how this movie <laughs> carries out. Right. It's kind of how it winds up. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I couldn't remember the end, I, I, but I said to myself, I, mean, I hope this doesn't end with a Top Gun and the end there was, but it's okay. It's fine because it works. It's really commanding. It's very intriguing. It's very suspenseful, yeah. And it gives you the ending that you kind of would hope you would get. I mean, yeah. I, to me, they could have ended the movie. I was hoping that, because I couldn't remember the end either. I was hoping the movie was going to end with her and Bancroft in a fucking face-off standing there at that fucking door. And when she's yeah. holding the door and she's like, you you want you want to go? And she's like, oh, yeah. I guess, you know, I, I was waiting for her to burst through that fucking door <laughs> and the press to swarm yeah. her. And then it just fucking, you know, like pull back and then we just see Bancroft, you know, and, and everybody's around and they just end the movie. And then we get like, you know, then we get our resolution on the other end of that. Yeah. Which they could have easily 
And I would have been fine with that ending too. But I don't hate the ending. <laughs> I mean, no, I kinda, no. I got, I was like kind of weirdly got emotional and I was kind of like, fuck yeah, save the Master Chief. <laughs> yeah. For what the movie is, I mean, if you, again, make the comparison to Top Gun, you know, Maverick's problem is, is that is he, he's fighting the rebellious person that he is because of what, who, who his father was and all that stuff. And that, that, that's always plagued or in, and sometimes fueled his whole military career. You have to have the ending with Top Gun the way it, it plays out. With this, you couldn't just, she couldn't just go through the program and be done with it. No. You know, with Maverick, he could have figured it out just in the training program and kind of, because we watched him lose his shit. And, and I mean, it cost Goose his life, right? <laughs> with this, she had to show in the field that she deserved to graduate through this program. It couldn't just be, you proved it, you know, in training. You had to show you were capable of doing yeah, it. Yeah, totally. I mean, and, and it kind of, it's ni- it, it's kind of nice how it sort of bookends her with the map, just the way it opened, right? Like right. When the first, when we first meet her in the, in that, you know, and she's in that room and, and everybody wants to change the code and the satellite pickup. And she's like, no, it was kind of cool the way that it, you know, we get it at the beginning and then she ends it the same way. And then everyone's like, he's like, are you clairvoyant? She's like, I'm, I'm both or whatever she says. She, get, you know, she applies, you know, I, I always kind of love when they, when they bookend shit at the beginning and the end, you know, they tie something together that way. She, when she gets to the training program, she's facing, it, it, it's just pushback and animosity and, and antagonism oh. all the way through. But at the beginning, when we're first being introduced to her, she's got both. This may not be as antagonistic as she gets when she tries to get through the SEALs program, but right, she still faces... Well, dude, yeah. She still faces that, but but she still has some support from people that recognize how good she is at her job. Right. That allows her to kind of expand on it. So when you see that moment when they're in the training and she's leading the team, when, and then that eventually gets everybody caught because somebody wanted a souvenir, we were seeing her do something through that which we've already seen her do. So we already had that foreshadowed at the beginning of the movie, but we didn't, but unlike usually when you have that foreshadowed moment, it's once you always see it pay off once it pays off twice. And it's like you said, it bookends with the real life. We're in the shit situation where we've already seen her do it twice now. Right. And that's why it's so effective when you get there again, most movies pay that off once. Certainly, certainly don't do it two thirds of the way through the movie usually just see at the end like we do in this. So it's nice to have seen, you see her progression. We already know she's capable, but now we're seeing her really earn her way through the whole thing where we're behind her all the way. But when she has that moment where she's actually now she's turning everybody and everybody's on her side now and the most important, you know, we don't care about Vigo and Master Chief getting it and understanding it. It was more important for her team to, to get on board because that's who was going to be in the shit. Because what happens to the Master Chief? He gets fucked up. So it's up to her and her team to get this shit done. It's really an effective movie across the board. And it's like, uh, I, I don't know what happened. Out of the four movies we've covered, this is the one that probably had the the biggest, the biggest expectations. Expectations. Because sort of, yeah. it wasn't just her, right? It was well, it's a, Ridley, a Ridley Scott, Scott movie. Yeah, yeah, so it's, a, it's like an event. Right, and he's coming off a of White Squall from the year before. Which is another movie that didn't find its mark. Exactly. And this is, he was doing more, and it's funny because him to do this, this is something, again, like I think I already made a point a couple of times, but, and I didn't really say why I felt it was more like a Tony Scott vibe here and there, is that Tony Scott has 
done always, I want to say more commercial stuff. And I guess, I don't know, I don't know where I would really describe what I'm kind of uh, saying there of more accessible, I think would probably be the best way to say that. He makes me, Tony's got made movies for the masses and, yeah. you know, and Ridley Scott sort of, you know, made movies, you know, or tried to make movies. His movies always felt sort of like ele- elevated historical pieces. If that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like Napoleon. <laughs> Ridley Scott wanted to be David Lean and Tony Scott wanted to be fucking Sam Peckinpah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, and one, one, one was better at the job than the other one. Oh, but- look, I'm not going to say that because I got to say, because it probably, and this probably is just for the vast quantity of movies. There's probably more Ridley Scott movies that I enjoy than Tony Scott, but that's because he's made twice as many. Yeah, I mean, but if you don't come pull down to a ratio, I think I'm going to lean more on. I'm probably more. Uh, yeah, there. But yeah, I mean, again, I'm not going to say that one is better than the other because there. It's it's like saying that Steven Spielberg and I, I, to me, they don't make the same kind of movies. So no. I'm okay with both of them, and I, you know, I, it's it's easy to shit can or it's easy to shit on Ridley Scott for some reason because people like to do it but like he's he's here's his thing when he nails he nails it and when he doesn't it's not good <laughs> we get Prometheus or no. Alien Covenant <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know but that's but that's the, that's the, sometimes in this situation and I don't and I don't feel that here no this movie he his air his ego gets in the way of those movies and with this I don't feel that way I don't feel like I feel like um, maybe maybe it's a combination of five fucking production companies involved in this. I I don't know, um, but when it's all a scot free production, it's you know it's his call, and he and he will you know he'll ride that horse in the ground for better or worse. But with this though, this is probably gosh I, I don't know if this might say this, but again he's got a pretty large filmography. I might this might be top ten for me. For him. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd have to go back. And, I mean, definitely. It, it kind of made me want to go back and revisit White Squall, which I uh, yeah. which I liked at the time, um, but I haven't seen it since it came out. And uh, I, I do own a copy of it, which I've never opened. But I was like, you know what? Maybe I should go back and watch White Squall. Maybe it's better <laughs> than I thought it was, too. Because I didn't dislike G.I. Jane. I just was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, it, right. again, like I saw it and never thought twice about it. But that being said, you know, being 20, almost 27 years later. Yeah. It, ha- it, it it affected me different. I was fucking way into it. And I was like, you know, maybe it's my perspective on the world has changed. And yeah. I'm just a smarter, better human being than I was when I saw it when I was 26. I don't know, whatever it is. Again, I knew that I knew that going back down, doing this whole more, more, more thing that we were going to, you know, we were going to really examine because if Demi had so many movies and, and dude, and yeah. we didn't do probably her two biggest, like, box office movies because one i don't really consider her movie few good men no and then the other one i i just know that i wasn't gonna like because i wasn't crazy about it then and there's no way you could tell me a decent proposal is good now no i mean i, I can't even imagine we had five movies picked down decent proposal was one of those movies <laughs> right it was the first one we that we unanimously agreed to bump it yeah without we, even like a, a, a discussion because it was like, yeah, it was like, yeah, because we would have been like, uh, I don't know, because because of the movies in the 90s, like as soon as you saw it there, you're like, yeah, we don't need to do that. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, all of them we did are, are were, were way better and, and, yeah. and more relevant to like what we're, what we were talking about now anyway. Right. 
this film, dude, there, there's some really, and it's kind of everybody gets their moment too. And there's some really touching moments. Like I, when, uh, when they're, when they're freezing their asses off, fucking floating in the surf and they're bouncing up and down and, yeah. and, uh, Morris Chestnut tells the story about his grandfather. Right. I mean, that's a great moment. Yeah, I agree. When, um, you know, they're in the cage and she has her moment with uh, Slavic and she's like, don't let them use, don't let them use me against you. Don't right. tell them shit. Right. You know? <laughs> there's just, there's just those moments. And, and what's great about it is, is the cast is, they're so, uh, I mean, I, I don't, there's not one, one of those moments that I don't believe or that doesn't feel genuine to me when I'm watching it. Right. So, I mean, they did a nice, you know, I mean, they sucked me in, man. I was fucking in it from the beginning. I mean, uh, I wanted, I, I didn't want, I didn't want, I had to watch this in two sittings and I did not want to, but I just was so tired. I could not stay. And I was like, I'm not going to do that thing where I nod off and wake up at the end of the movie and just say, fuck it. And, you know, and I'll just go from, cause I really, really wanted to know what happened. Cause I couldn't remember. <laughs> I had to break it. it up. I broke it up too. Once we decided that we were going to wait till the next day to tonight to record, I'm like, all right, I'm saving these 45 minutes for tomorrow. Yeah, no, no, dude, I just finished it. I did. I finished it tonight. Oh yeah. I finished it like 20 minutes before we started. Yeah. Hugh Johnson does the DP on this. Yeah, he uh, he was also second unit on this, but his first work uh, as a DP for uh, anything was with Ridley the year before with White Squall, and then ironically David Toohey the in two thousand and four for Chronicles of Riddick. Right, but he's been spent some time within the Scott group for a bit. He uh, was Claploader. That's how far back he goes. Claploader in nineteen seventy seven is the duelist for Ridley. Wow. Focus puller on The Hunger for Tony and then was second unit director on both 1492 and Kingdom of Heaven. So yeah. he spent a lot of time working with the Scots and this movie is just as different looking as White Squall, just as different looking as uh, The Hunger. I mean, I'm only going to say The Hunger. Let's just stick with the 90s and post 90s. 1492 and Kingdom of Heaven. Now with 1490, like 4092, like there is, it's kind of very similar, like that goals and all that stuff that G.I. Jane has. Mm-hmm. But but his work is fucking great. It's yeah. so good, so effective. And, and it felt a lot like, again, I hate to say this, but one of the things about Tony Scott's movies, he's 235, but he's always super tight on faces and you get a lot of that in this. Right off the bat, when when we we were introduced to Scott Wilson early on as captain in this, who's fucking fantastic. I love and as soon as he comes back on the screen. Oh, look at Scott Wilson again. It, it's it has those moments. Usually, like we're talking about one eight five for those intimate moments is really much better. But you get it's super tight on faces, but they kept it scope so you, did, you never forget you're watching a movie. Then you you never forget that, which I thought was a bold choice because you sometimes want to pull people in and not make them feel like they're watching a movie, but it was, and it was an, it was an intentional effect. And I thought it was really well done. Yeah. I mean, and there's lots of nice personal moments in this movie too. Like, you know, there's the moment early on when, uh, when Royce and uh, Jordan are in the bathtub together, you know, when she basically tells him that she's going to accept this, you know, and he's like, Okay. Well, you, 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 I didn't think I was going to have to decide the rest of my life tonight, Jordan. You know what I mean? I was like, wow, that's fucking, uh, that was, cause that got <laughs> awkward real quick. <laughs> I mean, but again, it felt real. It felt like a conversation that real people would have. 
And, and it was just framed nicely and it was shot nicely and tastefully done. And yeah, man, I, I mean, uh, this movie, I, I kind of want to fucking maybe pick this movie up because I don't want to pay. I don't want to keep having to rent it <laughs> if I want to watch it again. And I certainly don't. It's well, dude, it's $18 <laughs> to fucking buy the digital download. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. that it, I can't pay $17 for a digital download. Now, here's the problem, though. Unfortunately, the Blu-ray is like a first gen. Yeah, I know. I, I looked yeah, at it already. It's 2007. It's yeah, as soon as you see that big swooping beyond high definition, you're like, yeah, oh, like, fuck. oh boy. Yeah. And if you look at the back, you look at the extras, <laughs> the way the, the special features. I'm like, oh no, I yeah, I didn't, I didn't pull the trigger. I'm like, well, you know, eventually they're gonna. I'm hoping Imprint will put out like some, you know, Ridley Scott box sets, volumes, you know. You know, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be some box set. It's yeah. going to be like the only way you're going to get it is this movie's going to be in a is in some some collection. I'm like, well, I guess well, I'm going to have to buy it. It's going to be in with, you know, things like 1492 and, uh, uh, you know, they won't go chronological. It'll, it'll just be random. It'll be like, you know, <laughs> right. it'll be G.I. Jane. <laughs> Alien Covenant, <laughs> Jesus, please, Prometheus, uh, Columbus, fourteen ninety two. Nah, no, nah, Matchstick Man's in there somewhere. Oh, but I would, I would, I would be okay with Matchstick Man. I would. Want no, a copy no, but of I'm just saying. Yeah, you yeah, you'll you'd get have, one other. You'll get one other. Good. You get three, three you're, that you're not crazy about, and you'll get the two that you want. <laughs> yeah. When you get to the end of the movie, there is, and I love that you see her looking at it and reading it. Oh, dude, right? And you, oh, you hear Vigo? Yeah. Yeah. You have a moment where Jordan is reading a poem, and it's a classic. It's from D.H. Lawrence called Self-Pity. And it's that line, man. It's such a, it's such a military type of line from poetry that you would just think that's so fucking perfect, for especially for a SEAL or a Marine yeah. or something along those lines. And the line is, it's focused on... I never saw a wild thing. Sorry for itself. Right. Fucking dude. <laughs> it's a very poetic and a very, you know, I mean, I gotta say, I really like this movie. Yeah. Uh, and again, I said this last week that I thought that mortal thoughts was still going to be my favorite. Of the, and then I thought maybe, <laughs> but I gotta say that maybe this is my favorite of the four. And I don't know if it's because I just watched it or if it's just the mood I'm in right now or, or, or who knows, but I don't know, man. I, I felt like weirdly, connected to this movie more than the other three and and we agree, we agree that we really liked all of the movies this month yeah but i don't know man there's just something about this movie like how i'm feeling right now you know right. 30 minutes out of finishing it yeah i guess this, this is probably the the closest we got to finishing something just before we recorded as far as the, during this series right and of the four movies this is the one um, I remembered less fondly than the other three. So I already yeah, went into the other, other three. Now, so, and we were just like with the other three, we were, we came away with those other three with a, a better appreciation that even if we do, even when we liked it the first time right. or the previous times, but we liked it for totally different reasons. This one won me over because I didn't, rem I was lukewarm about it as far as my memory goes. And yeah. So again, four movies we covered this month, all four movies that we picked end up having uh, such a positive uh, result after we get done watching them. I'm going, 
Yeah, I mean, the other there's a lot about the other three because we liked them for different reasons because that was changes in us. But we realized that maybe we're getting were we getting too much Demi Moore or is it too much Ridley Scott or is it too much of this kind of movie back then? I don't know what the reasoning yeah, was, but I, 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 again, you know, maybe when I'm I don't know when I was this. I see it's weird because I feel like you know when you're 25, 26, 27, whenever it came out, I feel like because you're like the same age, roughly, maybe a little older than the characters in the movie, right? But I, I don't know. It's weird. Maybe there was just too many of these movies or just this wasn't my jam or, or I just, yeah, maybe it was too much Ridley Scott or, or, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know what it was, but I don't, and I don't, and I can't tell you what it is now that I feel so like connected <laughs> to this movie. I don't know. It's just different. It wasn't what I remembered it being. Like I said, I'm with you. I didn't have a strong connection to it. I didn't dislike it, but I certainly, I, you know, I didn't want to, I w- there's no way I would have said, yeah, I'm going to gush over this movie we talk about. It. But I mean, th- there's not a lot of wrong notes in this, in this movie. Like, you know, the, the, like, again, there's, there's scenes and like, there's those moments where I was talking about with her and in each one of the guys that she's going through this shit with. Right. And dude, you feel the pain. You're like, I, I feel like this time I felt everything she's going through. And maybe I didn't feel that when I was 26, 27. Right, because I didn't let myself feel it, or I, or I just wasn't capable of being like fuck, you know. But like watching her struggle and do, you know, and go through, you know, you really are fucking rooting for her, right? Every right. step of the way, right. and dude. When that dude, I fucking forgot. Fucking him, Bancroft fucked her over. I was uh, like, dude, you bitch. I'm yeah, because so when I texted you, I was like, I love Anne Bancroft. I hadn't <laughs> finished the movie, and right. then. When I, when it dawned on me moments before, like they revealed, I'm like, oh my God, she fucking sold her out. Yeah. Bitch. It's, <laughs> it's like going, wait a second here. No, no, no. 90s Anne Bancroft doesn't do that. You're not supposed to do that. What, already, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> really no point, point of no return. You're not supposed to be doing that. You're Holly Hunter's mom. Come on. What are you doing? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Was this Anne Bancroft's last movie? No, she no, she not not quite. That she did that Great Expectations, I think after this, right? Critical Care, Great Expectations. She did voice the Queen Anne for Ants, of course, but that could have been earlier before that. Keeping the Faith, okay. Heartbreakers. Oh my gosh, she's afraid she's in Heartbreakers. Right. I oh my so, god, I about I all about that. <laughs> because because of David Merkin, that's the only reason she did it. Right. Damn, dude, has Curb Your Enthusiasm been around since 20, 2004? Yeah. It's, God, 2000 was the first season. Forgot that because she guessed it on it because Mel was on when they right. were doing produ- the producers. Remember, because Larry ends yep. up being on the producers. That's right. Away. Yep. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. She, so, I mean, it's so funny because in a lot of ways, Demi and Anne are like such... Yeah, they're like they're kindred spirits, man, for sure. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's probably why we get them kind of button heads. I mean, yeah. I mean, really, dude, it shouldn't it shouldn't have fucking it shouldn't have it shouldn't surprise me. I mean, she's Mrs. Robinson for God's sake. She, right. She's got it in her. It's funny also because we did we. This is the second movie we covered her from the nineties because she was in Point of No Return, right? Uh, with Bridget Fonda, which we covered a while back, and she totally is playing a different character in that but still she's playing you know she's not playing this <laughs> it's reverse she's a hard ass at the right. beginning and then yes. she softens to her later yeah. and that's the opposite right. of what we get here yeah yeah totally yeah. but uh yeah man this movie is like solid all, all across the board yeah 
the cast is fantastic. Like we were saying, like you said earlier, like Kevin Gage is one of the instructors as Pyro. Usually I see Kevin Gage's name and I cringe <laughs> or I grip my teeth. <laughs> yeah. Wayne Grow. I can't look at him without thinking of Wayne Grow. Right. And I think, and I think what helped because we didn't, he's got hair when we do yeah. see him with hair and right. then he wears a cap most of the time too. So you don't get locked into that, that visual you have from a couple of years before. Because a lot of these guys, you know, uh, if you go back and like, you know, David Adamus, Cortez, and, you know, you see a lot of these guys, you still see them because a lot of them, they, they still work. They're all right. still, most of them are still working. If they're still with us, they're still working. But uh, it's just so wild that the cast across the board, there's not a misstep performance from anyone. Everyone is like, you know, pitch perfect. It's crazy. Right. Last week when we did strip tease, I said I had a I had a two parter piece of trivia, <laughs> right? And the reason why I couldn't tell you last week what the other piece of trivia was because I would have revealed what this movie was. Well, the other piece of trivia was this: during reshoots for strip tease, she had to wear a wig because she had already shaven her head. Oh yeah, there for you this, go. So. I can be- I can believe that. Yeah, I was going to say because like you know, dude. I mean, doing those two movies back to back. I mean, she is in fucking dude. She is in serious top tip top physical condition. Yeah, and you really see that. Like after she gets, oh. she's all fucked up, and she's kind of after she sees the doctor, and she's doing yep. her one arms and stuff. Like, going, dude. Yep. 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 Yeah, <laughs> dude. What you know? My favorite line in the movie. Which one? We didn't already say it. <laughs> nope. Team leader to team fuck up over. Yeah. I forgot that you had texted me that earlier on my going. I hadn't gotten to that part yet. Oh, gotcha. I was yeah. ahead of you. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it made me <laughs> laugh out loud, dude. I was like, oh, God damn. No, what I ended up doing funny. is I copied and pasted and Googled it because I didn't know what the fuck it was. Oh, yeah. There you go. What the fuck's he talking about? <laughs> well, I thought, you know, I was like, I, he's going to think I'm talking to him and I'm caught with team leader to team fuck up over. And I, I'm a, I don't, don't joke. I was scrolling up. I go, did I say something? <laughs> I don't remember saying anything. No. Uh, I, and then the next thing I thought was, did I leave something in an episode I wasn't supposed to leave in? No, no, no. no. I just, I am going to adopt that phrase into my fucking everyday conversations wherever I can. Yeah. From now on, whether it's a text or like, you know, airing conversation when somebody says something silly. Yeah, man. G.I. Jane. Who th- I mean, again, I said last week that I... But this is probably my favorite of the, of the films that uh, you know of the, of the month. I will say it was the most. It's the most surprising for me, and and uh, for me to be. I mean, again, I I held the other two. I hold striptease and moral thoughts so fondly. So it's yeah. like I'm, I didn't waver on my my appreciation for both movies. They were just built and and, and expanded on, and my love changed for them for different reasons. Um, but th- this one swayed me. And again, if we talk about the other four movies, the other three movies, all four movies this month were definitely uh, improved in our in our uh, yeah totally our experience of of, of viewing were was improved based on the fact that we are older and yeah like <laughs> we we're we're not twenty seven twenty eight years old watching this movie going. Are we seeing too many military movies right now? Because we kind of were right. You know? Well, yeah, I feel like you know again. That's, you know, that's why it's good to go back and revisit things sometimes, you know, especially things that like, 
again, this was an event movie. This was like Ridley Scott, yeah. man. This is, you know, this was going to be a big thing. And dude, you, you know, the, what the month has taught me more than anything is I fucking really miss Demi Moore and I wish she would come back. I wish she would, I, I want, you know, who I want to, uh, for 2024, I'd like her to have a comeback year. <laughs> that, that, that's what I want. I would love it more than anything, you know, and she's got so many personal distractions right now. I don't say distractions, but priorities to, to take care of, not just internally with her, but, you know, externally with her extended family. And it's like, in has a lot to do with why we don't see her as much anymore is because not that exacting. And I'm not going to talk about that because we all know what I'm talking about, but yeah, all these movies have done is just, oh, hell, I was think, feeling it after the first episode and then after the second one. And then once you finish strip tease, I'm like going, and I, that's when I made a, oh, actually it was probably about 10 minutes into this. I'm like, and I made a comment to you about, man, she's so underrated. I'm like, I don't think she's, she's underappreciated as what a dynamic performer she is. And I'm like, we need her back. I think during Kickstart, we even talked about like, even when she shows up like on Charlie's Angels out of nowhere. Oh yeah. Is where I think I said it. And it's like going, fuck, dude, where is she, dude? It's like we need her. You know, what about what about Derek's movie, The Joneses? That's that's one that Dude, like, yes. I mean, we, I think you know. I talked about that during when we had Derek on. I, I love that fucking movie. Her her and Duchovny are fantastic together. Yeah, yeah. They're great. And it's on Tubi right now. So watch you, that. There's your chance because <laughs> Striptease is leaving. Um <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I again hats off. You know, this was a super fun month. Yeah, enjoyed every damn one of them, and and there's like ten more movies. Like, I, there's I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna go back. And I'm gonna revisit the juror because I, again, I want to think maybe it's better than I remember it, but it's probably not. It's it's worth <laughs> a shot because she's in it. Because she's mean, in it. There there's a couple holes I have. You know, it, I, now and then I, I kind of remember liking, but. You know, yeah. again, I know that, that you know, that it's it, it cuts back and forth between the grown-ups and the kids. But dude, she had a very interesting 90s. And, you know, I think we covered the ones we should have covered. I don't think that, I don't think we missed out by not talking about Few Good Men, because everybody knows Few Good Men. And yeah. again, that's Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson's movie. Well, yeah. And another thing, too, is like what, her character in that is basically what she's doing here. But she's doing it in a lead role, and and I think she built on top of what she did in that movie, yeah. where she she commands your attention. You know, her bo- both characters are very similar. Yeah, this is better. This movie's better than a few good men. I find few oh, good men kind of boring. It's okay, <laughs> but you know what? Like we talked about in other movies, it's not a movie. No, it's, there's it's a, a bunch stage of monologues. play shot on film. You know, it's yeah, like a, yeah, and there's a bunch of monologues. That, that's what yeah. people remember, right? All I remember is you want that truth. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. I remember Kevin Bacon and Kevin Pollack, you know, the Kevins having their the moments. And uh, you know, but the rest is, you know, Tom Cruise and, and Nicholson doing their thing. And there's right. nothing wrong with it, but you know, I, I'm glad we didn't go into that movie and in an indecent proposal, which again was another big hit for her. Right. But I don't think it's as good as any of the ones we talked about. So right. hats off. So Vigo's character, Urgale, I'm like, what kind of fucking name? He has this long ass name. I'm like, what the hell is Urgale? Well, apparently it's an anagram for real guy. Oh, there you go. I can <laughs> see, see it like, now. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so there you go. I think it was a great closer. And I think I think we were both pretty confident it was going to close strong. Yeah. I I just was more, more moved and and um enjoyed the movie more a lot more than I anticipated. I thought it was, I mean, even if I was just a little bit more 
I, I have to say, the other three movies leading to this one, the other three movies, because of how different I made, I felt about them, I, I was more excited to watch it because I'm like, all right, maybe that lukewarm vibe I've had for, for 28 years is going to be a little more different, 27 years. And it was. I'm glad we covered it because it was, it was a strong month. And if anything, like you said, it just makes me yearn for her to get back in front of the camera again because she's fucking tremendous. I don't know. Limited series, something we need to do her because, you know, she's compelling. She's enjoying, she's enjoyable to watch on screen. I don't care if it's comedy. I don't care Dude. if it's drama. She just, you, you, she can, like I said earlier, she commands your attention. And that voice. Seriously. Nobody sounds like Demi Moore, man. Nobody sounds saying. like her. Nobody People, sounds have, like Demi. Have you ever noticed that too? Like out of all the stand-up comedians, have you ever heard any of them do an impersonation of no. her? No. Never. None of them. And there's some really fantastic impersonators out there, but I've never heard anybody attempt to do it before. They know better. Yeah. G.I. <laughs> Jane will kick their ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just so you let you know, it's, uh, uh, we had to both had to rent it. <laughs> and yep. that's the only drag. It's like, you know, we just, as we just discussed, the Blu-ray is OG Blu-ray. It's a 17 year old first gen Blu-ray and, I won't buy it. I'll, I'll wait. It's got to become. I mean, I, you know, yeah, there's going to be a. It's going to get something. You know, it, the Ridley Scott retrospective box set's coming soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. So you want to follow the show on the socials? You can follow us at Karate Pod on Twitter, Insta, and Letterboxd. If you want to follow Corey on Letterboxd, it's Corey underscore Culp, and on Instagram is Culprit ninety seven. And if you want to follow some other socials, another linkage. You can look at the bottom of our episode show notes under Karate in the Garage linkage, and you'll find everything there. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, I'm at rockandroller33. If you'd like to follow me on Letterboxd, I'm at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. If you'd like to follow me at Blue Sky, it's the real John Ladd at Blue Sky. <laughs>